0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bytes. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week. So you can keep your finger on the pulse, on your way to work, at the gym, wherever and whenever you have time to get updated. Please remember that this podcast
1: is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Stay tuned for additional disclosures at the end of
0: today's episode. So, are you ready? Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the latest episode of Market Bites. Please do remember to like, share, subscribe, and if you're on YouTube, and if you're on the podcast, give us a rating. Uh, As usual, I'm joined by Josh Gilbert, who's based out in Sydney, Australia, living the dream, and we're also joined uh, by Neja. Neja, how are you doing as well?
2: I'm good, yeah?
0: Yeah, very well. Where are you you logging in from today?
2: Uh, Slovenia, as usual. (laughs) Lovely. Rainy day, so rainy
0: day. Yeah, we got what looks like to be a rainy day here in London as well. Josh, talk to us about your weather. How was it? 41 degrees tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> Maybe that's, come on. that's 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 too
1: hot at that point, you know. Yeah, that's, it's too hot. You can't do anything at that point. So, it is you
2: know, too hot. i just
0: be... sat inside all day with a fan and air conditioning. So,
2: yeah, I would still change for a day with you. Yeah, I was literally just
0: about to say that. But anyway, hot like the markets right now. We were just talking before we came on air about crypto, Bitcoin, nearly at 58, A. Everything's pumping at the moment. I'm sure there's a lot of happy traders and investors out there at the moment. We're going to discuss three topics. We'll talk about lithium uh, prices and stocks. We'll talk about Warren Buffett's latest letters to shareholders. We're also going to talk about dominoes. Uh, how does that all sound? All good? Yeah, good for me. Yeah. Um, Yeah, lithium prices fallen dramatically from their peak, had a
1: lot of supply coming online, got that EV growth starting to slow down, that's put pressure on lithium miners globally. Mm -hmm. We've got investor sentiment that it's basically in the toilet. Um, And then we've got sort of companies such as sort of Pilbara Minerals. Here in Australia, that has got short interest as much as 21%. So uh, the bears are loving it at the moment, but we're seeing a bit of a, a change around, so maybe they won't have so much fun uh, in the next couple of months.
2: Okay, so this week instead of focusing on earnings reports, I decided to talk about something equally interesting. I wanted to share with you um, thoughts about a latest letter from Warren Buffett. He writes letter every year for for Berkshire Hathaway shareholders, that is published along with annual results. And in this letter, he shares his insights on how the company is doing and also on overall market. Uh, So I always really look forward to reading his letter because... It kind of feels like getting a valuable lesson from one of the greatest investors of all time and i wanted to share all my insights with you guys uh, and yeah i don't know if you know actually i went to um berkshire hathaway meeting last year in omaha and that was a special experience uh-huh. i'm glad that i got a chance to see uh, both warren buffett and charlie munger on stage and learn learn from them in person so yeah and that was truly remarkable
0: wow I mean we should do a podcast just on that Uh, and it makes my subject seem you know kind of irrelevant now when you when you put it like that but uh, I'm talking about dominoes I think following on from last week where I talked about Wingstop I think let's carry on this food direction for as long as we can so they had their results uh out earlier this week so we'll talk a little bit about that um some strengths and weaknesses some future plans i think it'll be a, a, a good subject but josh we'll start off with you uh, as usual so first up lithium it's been brandished as, as white gold in in recent times but as you mentioned it's had a bit of a slump 80 percent since its peak and it's put miners on on the back foot uh why are we seeing these prices fall so dramatically do you think yeah well as you say
1: Terrible, terrible time for the lithium price down eighty percent. So I mentioned it just right at the top there. S- suppliers sort of picked up quite significantly um, after we saw prices rise dramatically. Um, so we saw lithium miners um, reach record profits, enabling them to bring new mines online and invest into sort of new lithium explorations. So essentially, they've they've hurt themselves uh, in a roundabout way because you know they, they've. Um, they've been the pain of their own demise right because in turn it's affected all the new supply coming online which has driven prices lower i think the idea was that we were going to sort of see a deficit in lithium for many 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 years uh but that hasn't quite been the case because we've seen this sort of growth of electric vehicles slow down and what's been the key to that well china they are the key to ev growth we saw byd at the start of this year overtake tesla as um, sort of the best-selling electric vehicle manufacturer, uh, and they are sort of evident uh, everywhere you go in um, China. They they make the taxis, they make the buses, they do everything. And they're you know, and and China at the moment is in a real bad period of deflation, a sustained period of deflation, meaning consumers don't want to spend any money. They definitely don't want to be spending money on an electric vehicle. Uh, and that's even more apparent because subsidies to buy electric vehicles in the regions have been pulled as well. So put all that together, you see a big drop in um, growth. We, we basically were around 200% growth in previous years gone by. And this year, it's meant to be at 30%, which is still pretty significant, but again, a big, big change. The good news in that, in that part is that EV makers such as Tesla and and BYD, um, whose costs to create these batteries have at the same time fallen dramatically because we've seen lithium prices drop. So the the beauty is that EV manufacturers should then be able to lower prices, which should stimulate further growth, uh, which then should see more EVs being sold, which may again drive lithium prices higher in the future. Um, The issue lies, as I say, though, with more supply coming online. Uh, And just bottom line, EV battery demand, just not keeping pace. For the time being. So, in terms of stock prices, the last 12 months have been really painful for those miners in Australia. We've got names such as Sayona Mining down 82%, Core Lithium down 76%, uh, Piedmont Lithium down 78%. So, again, really, really poor performance. And just for a little bit of context on how bad it's been, there's a lithium index, a Nasdaq lithium index, it has 44 stocks in the last 12 months only four of those stocks are positive. So yeah, plenty of pain in that sector at the moment.
2: Okay, even though there, there's been a huge sell-off and demand has lowered, as you as you said, do you think that there is an opportunity in, in these stocks because they're in such low levels?
1: Yeah, and I think, look, in the short term, there is going to be sort of maybe some further challenges for these sort of lithium miners to sort of face because... You know, lower prices means that it impacts, you know, the ability to to raise capital. You've still got inflation and higher interest rates that obviously are going to really eat into to sort of margins as well, and that's going to stop uh, those companies from initiating new projects. And they want to sort of bring in more production to try and offset what is lower prices, but with prices so low, and you know, ultimately trying to get through what is the lithium winter. Um, It's really difficult. And I think that is the point. It's how these businesses navigate this period. The transition to EVs and renewables, you know, it can't be denied. And despite what we're seeing, I think investors should not lose sight of the significant demand for lithium long into the future. Um, I mentioned Pilbara Minerals there. You know companies like that you also have huge companies as well like albemarle in the us as well they look better positioned to sort of navigate this period because they've got huge balance sheets and they are in a position to sort of increase production to sort of help withstand what is that lower pricing uh and obviously should help them down the track as well when they continue to sort of produce more and prices do um rise as well and also what we're going to see is that we are going to ultimately see a lot of these mines go offline these companies aren't going to have the capital to continue to sort of run them it's not cheap to sort of run uh you know any sort of mine uh, whatsoever let alone a lithium mine so we may see um you know that some of those companies fall off those bigger companies may fare slightly better a bit of a boost to optimism came recently we we had uh, australian super which is the australia's largest pension fund or super fund as we call it here they said they would double down and um, increase their exposure to local lithium stocks over the next sort of five years. So they are sort of taking the opportunity to, to buy amidst what is of substantial sell-off. Um, but ultimately, these stocks are going to continue to be at the whim of the lithium price, which is very, very volatile, but in the years ahead may pick up from where we are here, which has its own risks. But I think bottom line, many investors will see the current sell-off as a long-term opportunity, especially if we continue to see the trajectory
0: of uh, you know, electric vehicles and renewables as well. Well, I think that the key thing you said there is, is that long-term opportunity. And there's plenty of really, really good stocks, if you look at many now that are near their all-time highs, that have had significant drawdowns along the way. So things don't just go up in a straight line um, all the time as much as we would like that. Uh, Neza, we'll move on to you. What are your highlights? Um, how did Buffett describe uh, Berkshire's performance? What have you got for us? Uh,
2: so yeah, the um, Buffett started the letter with tribute to his long-term business partner, Charlie Munger, who passed away last November, just before he would turn 100 years old. Uh, and then he continued the letter using an example of how he would explain Berkshire performance to his sister. Uh, so it's really it's really nice to read. Uh, regarding Berkshire performance, they saw a significant increase in earnings. They reported full-year net earnings of more than $96 billion, which is remarkable, especially after 2022 when they experienced a downturn. And but here is the first part that I found really interesting. Uh, Buffett commented on net earnings, uh, and he actually said that net income is worse than useless because number is heavily impacted by unrealized gains and losses, which have a major impact on their performance. Instead of that, he likes to watch operating income. And for Berkshire, operating earnings increased by 21%, which is also rem- remarkable. Uh, then he discussed which sectors performed well and which struggled. Uh, so the letter is full of interesting insights, and I really enjoyed reading it.
0: Yeah, I bet. Imagine you're someone, though, who loves using net income and you... You, you can't wait to hear what Warren's got to say. And then he says this, you're like, my whole life's been alive. But I guess if it works for you, it works for you. But when the goat speaks, you listen. Um, From which business segments did, did Berkshire see a strong performance uh, in 2023? And where, where does he see new opportunities?
2: Uh, so. He anticipated, and he was right, uh, the strength of Berkshire earnings came from strong performance of their insurance business. He attributed this to success to Ajit Jain, who is vice president of their insurance business. On the other hand, they experienced a downturn in two other parts of their business. First one is BNSF Railways, and the other one is Berkshire Hathaway Energy. Uh, the BNSF Railroad made less money in 2023 uh, than in 2022, 2021, or even less than before pandemic in 2019. And Berkshire Hathaway Energy also experienced big drops in profits uh, compared to those years. Uh, however, he remains positive about railroads' futures. So yeah, that's one thing to note. Uh, he also mentioned that he see lack of suitable large-scale opportunities outside US and that Berkshire will maintain this strong US focus. Along that, he highlighted three companies, Occidental Petroleum, Coca-Cola and American Express as companies that they will remain investing on the long term. What caught my eye was the amount of cash and treasuries they have. The number reached record high. It's more than $160 billion. And he explained the reason behind it. He said that they, um, in case that market faces a downturn, they want to be prepared. He is not anticipating any market crash, but he's just advising us to stay cautious because market is really uncertain
1: thank you warren i'm glad we're not expecting a, a crash that would have put all of our uh, our, <laughs> our our optimism into the toilet there so thank you for not expecting that um there's a first question from me you went to omaha um was it purely for warren buffett's um meeting or were you going there anyway
2: no actually me and a few friends we wanted to go uh cuz I mean, they, they were both old. Warren Buffett is yeah. 90, uh, 93 years old. and as I said, Charlie Munger would be 100 years old this year. So I wanted to take an opportunity and go there to see how how it is. And it is worth it because I mean the atmosphere at the arena is amazing, and all those people just talking about investing, listening to them, it's yeah, it's worth visiting.
1: Yeah. Wow. I think I might have to be on that, uh, Sam. I think we might have to uh, make a market podcast. bites. Yeah, we might have to make a market bites. You know, you know, whoever those people behind the podcast, if you listen to this, which you should, should be, all three of us would like a trip to Omaha. Neza says it's worth it. Um, going back to his investments, which is the reason we were discussing it. You mentioned there the likes of Occidental Petroleum, Coca-Cola, et cetera. What were some of the notable investments that Berkshire made in 2023 Uh, And what were the company's intentions with those investments?
2: So firstly, they invested a lot in Occidental Petroleum. This is the gas gas and oil company that I mentioned earlier. Now they hold almost 28% of whole company. And Buffett said that they are planning to keep these shares for a very long time. However, they don't want to take over the whole company. Besides that, they also invested in five really well-known and respected Japanese companies. And they are known for making decisions that are good for shareholders. Uh, They are buying back their shares wisely. They have reasonable reasonable dividends and conservative compensations for their CEOs. And these uh, these investments might, might open... Uh, doors for Berkshire from some global business with them. They are well respected, well known, and they bought around 8%, uh, 9% of each of these companies. And they agreed that they, their stake won't increase above 9.9%. Uh, yeah, so that that were the major investment in the past year. As I said, Letter was really a blast to read. And I think we can all learn a lot from him and from his experience. So if anyone wants to read it, it's available online. Uh yeah, it's worth it.
1: Yeah, I think we can all learn from the GOAT, can't we? Um yeah. you know, I mean the just the numbers we we're talking about there, owning twenty eight percent of a company, nine percent of a company it's just next level and those you know earnings were were just sort of ridiculous as well 96 billion dollars uh i'd say a huge turnaround from 2022 a company that isn't making that much money, though, is Domino's. Um, pizzas do have probably very good margins, but I doubt they have margins that are that good. They reported earnings on Monday, Sam. M- market did like it. Uh, what were the key takeaways? Did they make $96 billion? Is that why the market liked it?
0: Key takeaways, nice pun. Um, no, they didn't quite make <laughs> $96 billion, uh, dollars, uh, but they reported earnings on on Monday, before the market opens. And I had to say, I prefer that. To be honest, rather than just after the market closes. And then, uh, you know, here in the UK, it's yeah, it's 9 pm, 10 pm, and it doesn't feel as, as right as something coming out at 10 30 or 11 in the morning. And then you've got the rest of the day for the reaction to take place. But who am I to complain uh, about it? Yeah, investors overall, I would would say happy enough. We actually did gap up uh, just before the open. Then we came back a little bit, but we were still trading. Um, to have a quick look right now at the chart you know the highest we were since February 2022 Uh, and actually I did mention um, at the beginning of the podcast when you were talking about lithium prices how you know really really good stocks near their all-time highs have had periods of significant downturn and I tweeted this yesterday you know Domino's isn't far away from its all-time high and if you go back 10 years it's up hundreds of percent but in 2016 you had a 13 percent Um, move lower next year 25% move lower 2018 27% lower 2020 25% 2021 minus 16% 2021 minus 49% 2022 minus 29% and and even last year you had a minus 18% move lower and it's near now all-time highs it's up hundreds of percent so it does show if you believe in a company and you've got the view to stay long term, do stay long term and do believe in it. You know, I think people can sometimes get spooked when the market does move, you know, 20% lower, and of which they're just over and this was a very quick look at the chart. They're probably more than this. One, two, three, four, five moves more than twenty percent down, one nearly at 50%. So it does go to show that, you know, if you are patient and you believe in a company, it can Uh, can reap the rewards. Uh, Overall, pretty robust quarter four performance retail. Global retail sales are up 4.9% in quarter four and 5.4% for the fiscal 2023 year. uh, And when you exclude foreign currency impact, Uh, The company's strategic hungry for more approach, which emphasises sales, store count and profits contributed to this this success. And their CEO, Russell Viner, uh, highlighted positive U.S. transactions and same store sales growth as key drivers of momentum. We talked about it on the podcast last week about the restaurant industry in, in general, super competitive and when you're at the top or near the top. Uh, sometimes the only way is down, and so to please investors, Domino's is going to keep having to progress and uh, and push on. They demonstrated strong financial management, increasing income operations by three point four percent in quarter four and six point seven percent for the fiscal twenty twenty three. Uh, seven hundred eleven net new stores. Excluding Russia market closure. So that's not too bad there. And an increase in the dividend, 25% to $1.51 per share, all pretty positive. The the modest revenue increase, I guess, might worry investors a touch, but we've been heading in the right direction. We have obviously seen increased labor costs and a decline in US franchise revenue. So overall, I think investors are going to be relatively happy, certainly long term anyway.
2: So, that's the second week in, in a row that you are talking about restaurants, <laughs> so, and you mentioned how competitive is this business. And if you, um, if you not if you are not improving, you can easily be left behind. And what do you think are the areas Domino's needs to focus on to improve going forward?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm showing myself as a bit of a foodie here. Um, <laughs> I do love a Domino's. Uh, What's your order then, Sam? Well, I have it way too often. I'm a, I'm a Texas barbecue man. I'm a chicken yeah, a garb, strippers. Yeah. I'm a garlic bread. And I have it way, way too often. Um, maybe I need to start talking about it. It doesn't taste it. the same out here. doesn't <laughs> taste the same out here, mate. Oh, really? No. No,
1: it's. I'll tell you two things. Domino's is ridiculously cheaper in Australia than it is in the UK. Yeah, but it doesn't taste anywhere really? near as good.
0: Hmm.
2: I can't even compare. We don't have it.
1: <laughs> the desert, they have nothing in Slovenia. No, nothing. No, nothing. No, no, no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, there's, there's 20,500 locations across more than 90 markets, but there isn't one in Slovenia. And the ones in Australia don't produce the results that they do in the UK. But they do have a... Uh, a diversified sort of revenue stream and, and you, you've got revenue uh, from royalties and fees from franchises and sales from company-owned stores, supply chain operations. I mean, if we go back a couple of years, they generated a staggering $17.7 billion in system sales and it really sort of is, is the main force in that global pizza market. Uh, nearly all the stores are independently owned. I think it's like 99% or something like that. Uh, and this model really does deliver strong returns for them and consistent cash flow for the company through those uh, royalty payments, supply chain revenues, and it's supported by the brands enduring commitment to value, convenience, and quality for what is now nearly, you know, 60 years or over 60 years, I should say. In terms of how they push on and, and keep investors engaged, they're going to want to see uh, I guess Domino's add locations strategically in the right areas. They want to see continued focus on digital innovation too. They just recently in the UK anyway, I think the US was last year, they launched a partnership with with Uber Eats. Um, so that seems to be going well in, in the UK. I think it's only the last few weeks they've started to do that. So I guess from an investor standpoint, you want to see them doing these things. You want to see how that goes and hopefully reaps the rewards. Uh, also, it, it's maybe a bit underrated for, for companies, but, you know, how they improve their brand and customer loyalty. You know, the company's efforts from a Domino's point of view, they had a hundred million dollar campaign for Domino's Village at St. Jude's, which I guess demonstrates a bit of a dedication to social responsibility that resonates with consumers and can really differentiate the brand, the brand in a competitive market. That's another, you know, useful thing. Brand loyalty that then leads, obviously, to uh, people going back to Domino's more and more and more, like myself. Uh, potential risks, uh, and I guess there's a lot of companies that fall within this category but you've got the rising labor cost and certainly for a company like domino's if the minimum wage starts to increase that's going to hit their bottom line uh they're also very reliant on the us and of course with food it's a volatile uh industry in terms of food prices so that's something to consider uh the qsr the quick service restaurant pizza category is super competitive uh, so they really do need to stay on top of things but at the moment as i said i think it looks okay. We uh, had a bit of a uh, a move lower if you go back to January of last, uh, January 2022, December 2021, where we ended up moving, as I said, around 50% lower. Since that peak, we've recovered really, really well. We're trading at the highest for, um, you know, over a couple of years now. It looks good. From a technical point of view, I'd want to see if I was bullish. Prices remain above 420 Uh, if that happens and I think the direction is the upside if it doesn't then maybe we start to move a little bit lower but overall I think investors certainly long-term investors are going to be pretty happy
1: yeah I mean seems for the time being that um, Domino's can't be topped Um, (laughs) that was so bad Um, (laughs) but no yeah I think anything within that sort of restaurant business is always going to be sort of really really competitive you know Brand loyalty, you mentioned it there, is always going to be really difficult. Sometimes you fancy a KFC, sometimes you fancy a Wingstop. So trying to sort of keep consumers in is is always going to be sort of really difficult. Um, and ordering fast food again, you mentioned potential risks, risks of you know, um, you know, you know, health you know, all those types of things, you know, how yeah. much impact there is now to sort of eat healthy and, and all those types of things. You know, that's a huge risk for, for these sort of businesses, but they've been around for many, many years. So I can't see it changing anytime soon.
2: Yeah, even and they're still following trends, even if we are turning more to healthy side there, I think that they are also following this trend and slowly implementing changes. So I think that we will see more dominoes in the future.
1: <laughs> yeah. They've and he have got, got free bags it. on the menu,
0: like like McDonald's. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and just to tick the box, I guess. Uh, they've yeah. got a good starting base to go on. Uh, on that note, we'll wrap it there for today. Nezha, Josh, thank you as always. Thanks, guys. Thank see you. you soon. See you. You have been listening to Digest & Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com.